Good morning. It's good to be with you via video today, and Happy New Year. I know today's uh, New Year's Eve as you're watching this. Um, I'm in uh, Illinois uh, with family. Probably return tomorrow uh, to Three Lakes. So um, I think I missed a lot of the cold weather that I heard was coming up uh, in your week. So uh, that's good to hear. Uh, I don't think Peoria was probably quite as cold. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, and I pray that uh, as we are on the cusp of the new year, that you would be uh, with us this morning in the sense that you're guiding us into your word, showing us truths, and speaking personally to each one of us as we embark on the next stage in our life, and our life in particular with you. And so please speak to us this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, at the turn of the calendar, it's often a time when we think about resolutions, we reflect on the last year, the good and the bad, what will we do different, uh, what will the new year hold, we, we consider those things, we make some plans, uh, maybe some changes. But I don't think uh, any year held as many enormous changes as 2002 uh, for me, and probably for Christy too, uh, it was a year of enormous changes. So uh, we got married then in 2001, so at, at the turn of the calendar, we were married for about a week and a half, freshly back from our honeymoon and living in my parents' basement. It was a blast. I recommend it for all you young people. Live in your parents' basement. It's great. Uh, actually, we couldn't wait to get out. We couldn't wait to have our own place. I was interviewing for jobs, and one of those places was a little evangelical free church in Watoma, Wisconsin. And so in January of 2002, we went up there and uh, I got to preach for them. So it was my first real sermon. Uh, so there was all the stress of that and then the interviewing. And eventually, uh, according to the Lord's will, we got the job and it was a great fit for us. Um, and then, you know, you have a new house, right? You have a duplex. You're on your own now. You got your own insurance uh, and you're paying your own bills. And then three months into our marriage, we find out we're pregnant. And so, uh, you know, huge. 2002 was, was just a lot of change. And I wouldn't have it any other way. It was, it was excellent. Uh, but I don't think, I'll, I don't know that I'll have a year quite like that one again with transitions. But I do know this. I was able to rejoice in those things. I was able to relax in many ways because... All those things that I was going into, I went into with the Lord. Going into 2002 meant going into a new stage of life with the Lord by my side. And so um, what I wanted to do as we go into the year 2018 is look at a scripture that would show us how we go with the Lord into new chapters of our life. And so I would invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, uh, starting in verse 1. So as you turn there, um, we're going to look at the story of Abraham. Very familiar story about God calling Abraham to leave his home and go to a land God would show him. And as Abraham obeyed and left and, and embarked on this new stage in life, I think there's some things we can learn from uh, from his uh, leaving and, and, and going with God into this new chapter of his life. So hopefully you're about in Genesis 12, first book of the Bible, Genesis 12, verse 1. Uh, it says this, The Lord had said to Abram, 
Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated, and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And we'll pause there for a moment. So um, I have three things to consider as we go into this new year. And the first one is separation. I have three words. The first word is separation. And in separation, what we're saying is there are things that you need to leave behind in order to walk into the blessings of God. There's things you need to leave behind in order to walk into the blessings of God. Of God. So for Abram, or later his name would be changed to Abraham, he was leaving his father's household at the age of 75. I mean, he has a wife, he's accumulated things, this is his father's home, this is what's familiar. He had to leave his culture, he had to leave his family. I presume that he had to leave his father's gods, the, wherever gods that they worship there, he had to leave them behind to follow this God, Yahweh, who was calling him to go. And so he obeyed and he left. And so everything that was familiar, everything that was comfortable, everything that he knew, he set it aside to follow the voice of the Lord that told him to go. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that, 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 that walking into the blessing of God often requires this separation because Jesus required it too. You're going to follow Jesus? Well, Matthew 4.20 says, when he called his first disciples, it says, at once they left their nets and they followed them. They had to leave nets behind. Now, fishing's not bad. Having a vocation's not bad. But if, if God calls you away from that vocation, you leave your nets and you go. There's a separation. So to walk in the blessing of, uh, of Christ, to be a disciple of his, to learn from him, what a blessing that is. got to leave something else that's good behind to do what's best. Or how about this one? Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus knows that in the walk of a Christian, there are things that we have to leave behind. And they can be good things. They can be things that we love. And yet, in some cases, some cases, we can walk away from those things because we know Christ has called us into something different. Uh, and then maybe the one we think most often of when we think of separation would be sin. Because uh, to be holy is to be a set-apart people. And in particular, we want to be set apart from sin. So this is Jesus talking uh, to the woman who was caught in adultery. He says, does anyone condemn you? And in John eight eleven, she says, no one, sir. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Leave it. Separate from it. Don't keep walking in it. And so there are certain habits, certain behaviors that you've been doing in 2017 that don't need to follow you into the new year. You can separate from those things. You can have a fresh start 
from the sin in your life and confess it to God, repent of it, and walk in a new way in 2018. And so I think I've said there, there are sometimes some good things we separate from in order to walk in better things. And then there are also some sinful things that God definitely wants us to separate from, to walk in his blessing and to be more close to his heart of love for you this year. Now, uh, God also says, you're going to go to the land that I will show you. Did you notice that? Uh, that's verse 1. Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So the land I will show you means, you know, God's going to show the way. I mean, God's going to tell them where to go. But he doesn't tell them all the steps. He doesn't tell them the detours on the way. They, don't, they, don't, they, they know that eventually it's going to be point B, A to B, but they don't know all the steps. And so it is in your life. Whereas you walk into 2018, God has not revealed everything to you. As you step into unknown territory, as you walk into your future, God doesn't show you everything, but he might show you one or two steps in front of you. Take those steps, the one or two. You don't have to know it all, but you have to know just a couple steps in front of you. Let his word light the way and take those steps. Now, that makes it hard to separate from the things of 2017 that God may be calling you to separate from. It may be hard because that's familiar. You've walked that way before. That's just normal. But, but walking into something new requires some unknowns. What's going to happen? How's it going to play out? Is it going to work well? Is it going to fall apart? If I take this courageous step, how will people react around me? It's going to take some courage. But like Abram and Sarai, you can leave the comfortable behind to walk into what God has for you. And you can separate, even though the future is still somewhat unknown. You can cling to the promises of God in those moments. That's the first part, separation. Secondly, though, number two is the word revelation. Because I believe separation leads to, leads to more Revelation. So check out Genesis two, Genesis twelve, excuse me, verse six. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "To your offspring, I will give this land." So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So number two is revelation. God shows up. Verse seven, it says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So here's the thing. When we separate from the things that are the old things and, and embrace the new creation and, and, and the blessings God has for us, then we get further revelation. We receive the Lord's guidance. We receive the Lord's guidance and respond in worship. That's what we see Abram doing here. He's getting more guidance in verse 7. And, he, and God appears and he speaks to him. So as you separate yourself, yeah, you, you see more of what he wants. You see more of his will for your life. It's like Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2, right? Don't conform to the pattern of this world. You know, don't conform. So whatever conforming you had been doing in 2017, let's not do that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then what? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, 
pleasing, and perfect will. I can't tell you how many times I've said those words to myself. That God's will for me is good and pleasing and perfect. And I can trust that. It's a promise. And even though negative things are in my future as as well as positive things, I can trust that ultimately God's plan for me is good and pleasing and perfect. Maybe not necessarily always from my perspective, but from his perspective, I can trust that. And he is going to transform my mind. He's going to renew my mind so that I can walk in those ways. I can understand what he wants. And he does that as I spend time in the Bible. Maybe this is the year you made Bible reading a priority, Bible study a big deal in your life. Maybe this is the year you want to read through the whole Bible in a year. They have all sorts of Bible reading plans for all different levels of reading. I mean, you can, you can get apps on your phone that will give you guidance on like what you read each day. And you can do the whole year like that. Read through the whole Bible or just read sections. Get through the Old Testament. Get through the Gospels maybe. But make a decision and spend time with the Lord. Spend 15 minutes. Spend half an hour. You know, spend some time each day with him. You can do this. And this is a great time. For, for all the weight loss things we have going on, and I'm not saying that's bad, um, how about a spiritual plan of Bible reading? You know, um, I'm not saying weight loss is not spiritual, by the way, but, but, that, but that the scripture we also need to feed on every single day. So, um, receive the Lord's guidance. Let the Holy Spirit dwell in you in such a way that he's guiding you, he's filling you. Uh, Galatians says, keep in step with the Spirit. So may the Spirit guide you each day as you submit to the, uh, to the Lord through His Word and as you walk with Him. So um, receive the Lord's guidance and uh, respond in worship. Um, I remember uh, I saw uh, the new Star Wars movie uh, a few weeks ago probably now. Um, and uh, by the time you re- see this at least... And one of the things, I think, I think growing up as a kid watching those movies, you want to see what happens to your favorite characters. You know, what, what is the storytelling decisions that have been made? What are the plans? And do I like them or not? And I was a little bit disappointed when I saw uh, the last movie that just came out um, in the plans. But I think, I think everybody wants to know that likes those movies, what did the writer and director choose to do? What direction did that person take these characters that, that, that you've kind of grown up with and you, and you care about. They're fictional, but you care somewhat, you know? And I think, um, and there's a lot of people, I think, that were a little disappointed in some of the directions taken. Others loved it, you know, and expressed that love very vocally. But I think the point is, um, when some of us feel that way about a movie. It's fictional. I mean, these people are fake. Um, walk, walking around with laser swords, you know, and, and it's, it's silly. But how much more... Do we care about our day-to-day life and God's plan for us in the coming year? And how often do we think, I could have had a better plan? I, my plan would have looked a little different than this. And, and we even sometimes blame God instead of trusting him in the middle of all of it. Because he's going to guide us through it. I love that God says um, in verse 7, to your offspring I will give this land. To your kids and your grandkids. Abraham didn't even have any kids yet, you know? I mean, there's no kids. But to your kids I'm going to give this land. And it's like, 
You're 75 years old, right? I mean, Abraham, there's no hope, right, for that? God, listen, listen. We look a few steps in front of us. What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next month? What's this year hold? But God is looking in decades and centuries. He's looking so far out. God plays the long game. He plays the long game. And so what looks bad right now, you have no idea how God's going to redeem it, how God's going to use it. I mean, like a movie. I mean, people that write movies, they get to choose how the whole story plays out, whether it's a happy ending or a sad ending. But we know the ending of history because God has written it. He's got it down in Revelation. He knows how it's going to play out. And he's also working for your good in your life on a much smaller scale. You can trust him and walk in that trust. Um, He plays the long game. He's thinking about your kids. He's thinking about your grandkids. And he is working. And I love that Abram responds in worship. Two times in the little section we just read. Um, verse 7, Abram built an altar there, it says. And then later in, uh, in verse 8, he built another altar when he was by Bethel. Um, Abram doesn't pat himself on the back. It's not about him. Um, It's about the Lord. And so as he's taking this journey to this land, he's worshiping God as he goes. And that's what we're all called to do. Worship God as you go. If you're not in the habit of worshiping him with God's people, make church a priority. Worship with God's people. If you don't make honoring him with your life, your daily life, a priority, that's worship. What needs to look different this year? And he will guide you into that. Okay, finally, now there's some testing. Last point. Uh, Now there's some testing. So uh, Genesis 12.10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. That's not fair, right? Huh? Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why didn't you say she's my, why should you say she's my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So separation leads to revelation. And revelation leads to Tribulation. Isn't it amazing that you can separate yourself for God's purposes, walk in his ways by the light of his revelation, and at the end of all that, tribulation, trouble, testing. And so what we're saying is, simply put, you'll be tested along the way. And the Lord will be with you, but but you'll be tested along the way. We shouldn't be surprised by this. Um... This is the story of Christ, right? I mean, Jesus, 
It says in Mark 11, a voice came from heaven saying to Jesus, you're my son whom I love and with you I'm well pleased. So when Jesus was baptized, like he heard his father's approval and it says the spirit. And then verse 12, it says that at once the spirit sent him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. Listen, one of the greatest moments of Jesus' life was his baptism where the Father was affirming him and the Spirit came down as a dove. Amazing moment. But then it says immediately the Spirit sent him into the desert where he was tempted. Now, God doesn't tempt, but God sent him to that place where he would be tested by Satan. How can it be that one of the greatest moments of your life leads to this 40 days of difficulty? with Satan because separation leads to revelation leads to tribulation we'll be tested along the way now uh, this leads to a really good question with Abram and Sarah you know they they went to Egypt there was a famine where they were at there's those food was scarce they went to Egypt now that's that's going to happen again you know in the future right Jacob is going to take his family to Egypt where Joseph is at right and be spared from the famine. And they're going to be there 400 years enslaved, right? So Egypt's not always a good call. Although Joseph and Mary took baby Jesus, they fled to Egypt, right? So it can be a place of refuge as well. But, but I think normally in the Old Testament, when you think of Egypt, you think of people that are against the people of God. Um, that, that, that's, that's how they're categorized. Um, if you're from an Egyptian background, I don't think you need to worry about that anymore because as Gentiles, we are all one in Christ. There's not these antagonistic peoples anymore. But I think in the Old Testament, I think the question comes up, um, should we, do, do we view this as a good move that Abram did or a bad move? I mean, he made a decision. I'm going to go down to Egypt where there's food because right now there's famine in the land. And I don't really know the answer to that. Was that foolish? Was it okay? I do know that God gives us common sense. I do know that God lets us make decisions. It's not that we're robots and every decision's pre-programmed and we're just going to do whatever. And it's not that God tells us all the, all the different things to do. He gives us the ability to make choices. Where are you going to live? What, what are you going to do? What job? And he helps us along all those things, but he does give us the ability to choose. But whether Abram made a good choice or a bad choice, and you could talk about that when you go home and think about it a little bit, you know, over lunch, whether he made a good choice or a bad choice, even if he was exactly where he was supposed to be, testing will happen. Trials will happen. Even when you're at the center of God's will, there is testing, as we see in the life of Christ. And so he told his wife, who he was related to, to tell kind of like a half-truth. Say you're my sister, you know, uh, which clearly was supposed to be a deception, because Abram didn't want to die. He thought, they're going to kill me and keep you. And that's not, that's not cool. Very self-sacrificing husband right there, Abram. Good job, right? Um, really looking out for your, for your wife uh, when you're actually probably more worried about yourself. But he didn't want to say. She was beautiful and he didn't want to say, that's my wife. You know, he wanted to kind of cover it up. Now he's going to face the same test again uh, later. But, but he failed. He failed here. And uh, Sarai went along with it and said what Abram told her to say. And it doesn't, we don't have a lot of details here of how this all worked out, but we do know that she was taken as Pharaoh's wife. What does that all mean? I don't know. But, but we do know that God struck Pharaoh and his household with disease. 
it kind of sounds like a Moses play, right? I mean, that, that's what the feeling you get here. It, it's a disease, and it strikes him, and then somehow Pharaoh figures out Sarai is Abram's wife. Now, we don't know how he knows, who tells him. The Bible doesn't tell us, but he does find out, and he confronts Abram and says, you've got to take her, and you've got to go. I mean, what have you done to us? And so I'll just mention here that when the testing comes, God is still with you. He is still intervening on your behalf, even as those plagues came because of Abram's stupid decision. Uh, God still intervened, and he worked, and he protected um, his people, and he will with you as well. He will be with you in the testing, but there will be testing this year. You will have to make some decisions. Do I live the way that culture tells me to? Or do I live the way the Lord tells me to? Because the culture will tell you what's best for you. What will save your skin, right? But the Lord is about saving your soul and walking in His ways. And His ways are good. And they do lead to blessing, as we talked about earlier. So as you're tested, may you trust Him as you're tested in this next year.